Welcome to the Charleston School of Law podcast. I'm your host, John Struble. Haley Zarnak is our guest today. She is the National Director for Law Students for Climate Accountability. She is uh, joining the panel of guests at the Law and Society Symposium next month right here in Charleston, South Carolina, for a deep dive on climate change and its impact on the legal field. If you're interested in this conference coming up, you can register online at charlestonlaw.edu slash symposium. Haley, welcome to the Charleston School of Law podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Have you ever been to Charleston? I haven't. I'm really looking forward to it, though. I've heard it's wonderful. Are you a foodie? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Who isn't? Right. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that organization that you work for and what they do. Sure. Uh, So Law Students for Climate Accountability grew out of some protests in 2019 against the law firm Paul Weiss, uh, which represents Exxon. And it was really unusual for law students uh, to protest uh, law firms, right? Uh, Right. So it was uh, something that that was really uh, new for a lot of students. Um, And a group at Yale in particular realized that there wasn't a lot of information to figure out which firms were doing fossil fuel work and what kind of work they were doing. Mm. Uh, And so in service of sort of this wave of organizing that had happened, uh, folks put together the first law firm climate change scorecard. And the scorecard ranks the Vault 100 firms uh, by how much fossil fuel work they do. Um, And after they released the scorecard, they just had like a tremendous amount of attention, you know, from law students, from professors and and lawyers, uh, from media outlets, because there wasn't anything like that. And, right. you know, it was kind of surprising to me coming in to realize that, oh, goodness, like nobody was shining a light on that. Um, and so after they got all of that attention, they realized they really needed to take it national and to build an organization so that the, you know, wave of organizing that had happened didn't just die out, but turned into something that could really help transform the legal profession. And Were so they created, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead. Yeah. So they created, go ahead. Yeah, they created Law Students for Climate Accountability. Um, this was around October 2020 when they launched the scorecard. And then the following academic year, 20 to 21, um, was when they created the first National Student Leadership Committee. And that was how I got involved. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask you. How did you get involved? And you answered that question. But when when was your passion sparked for climate change and climate change issues? Was, was there a particular event or... Uh, a moment in time or something going on in the country or worldwide that really kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, definitely. I actually had not been involved in environmental organizing until I joined LSCA. You know, I had some amount of organizing experience in other contexts, um, particularly with labor, yeah. um, but I hadn't done any environmental organizing. And I had sort of, I, you know, I went vegetarian in 2014 and I tried to reduce my plastic waste and all the sort of standard individualistic stuff. Mm. Uh, but I, of course, realized that that wasn't going to make a larger uh, change. Not, it wasn't, wasn't going to make structural change. Um, and when I came to the University of Alabama, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was feeling pretty hopeless, uh, which was what led me to apply to law school in the first place. And I see mass shootings. I was really frustrated with immigration policy. There was the Me Too movement. And I was watching that, you know, the corporate uh, you know, capture of the legal system, essentially. There, there weren't changes being made to protect the communities that, that I cared about. Mm. Um, 
And so I, you know, was thinking about doing labor and employment law or legal aid or something like that. I knew that I wanted to do public interest, but I wasn't sure what. Um, and then I took a uh, social change practicum class at my school, which is one of the harder classes to get into. Um, because the professors basically just kind of guide you through the development of your life and career plan. And it was really amazing. Um, and I started off and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll make a toolkit about, you know, abolition or, you know, something about racial justice. Mm. Um, but at the time, it was uh, the record setting 2020 California wildfire season. Mm. Um, and so near the beginning of the semester, I had sort of a middle of the night realization. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people have been thinking about this for a long time, but I just hadn't, you know. That it's not just when we think about climate displacement, that islands are falling into the sea or you know, our coastlines are disappearing. It's also that there's many, many millions of people across the world um, who are going to face temporary displacement and who are also going to face the question of whether they're going to leave their home permanently or try and you know come back to it. Mm. Um, and thinking about that uh, really made me sort of change my course. Um, and so I came out of that, uh, you know, course having created um, a plan to put on a virtual conference about climate displacement. Yeah. Uh, and that was where I actually met two of the co-founders of LSCA and, and first got connected. So it was definitely that, that California wildfire season. You know, I had family there. Wow. Um, and it's not that I hadn't thought about, um, you know, the climate before, but that really made me realize I needed to shift from just sort of trying to make individual changes in my life to taking that on as something that I wanted to do in a collective effort. Fantastic. Uh, registration is open for the um, Law in Society uh, symposium, which is coming up on February 24th here in Charleston, South Carolina. You can go to charlestonlaw.edu slash symposium and register. You don't need to be a student. You could be of the law community. You could be anywhere in the country. Come in, enjoy a weekend here in Charleston and uh, take in a great great conference. Haley Zarnak is our guest. She is the National Director for Law Students for Climate Accountability. She's going to be on the one of the panels that are set uh, for that day. What does it mean to be a lawyer during the climate crisis? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question and certainly one of the ones that motivates our work. So when our co-founders created the law firm Climate Change Scorecard, they really focused on three areas in which uh, lawyers are contributing to the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And that's across lobbying, litigation, and transactions. So lawyers are often the ones that are lobbying on behalf of fossil fuel companies. Lawyers are pretty much always the ones that are facilitating the, tr the oil and gas transactions. Um, and they're also the ones who are going to represent those companies if anything goes wrong. And, and many times when things go wrong in the oil and gas industry, um, it's not only that greenhouse gases are being released, it's also that uh, many, many people get hurt by you know oil spills, by uh, you know toxic waste pits, yep. all kinds of things like that. Um, and so we're deeply connected to the fossil fuel industry and the climate crisis, but the legal profession oftentimes likes to think of our work as sort of morally neutral, right? Mm. Um, and so that means that an argument that we hear a lot is, you know, well, everybody sort of deserves a defense and, you know, people like to kind of hand wave over the ways in which we are facilitating this work that is sort of hurtling us into, into climate chaos mm. faster and faster. Um, and, you know, the way that we think about it is, you know, we actually do have a choice. We have quite a lot of power in the system that we live in. Um, you know, we, we watched uh, firms drop their Russian oil 
oil clients and, you know, are thinking, why can't we do this <laughs> with uh, more oil clients more broadly? Yeah. Uh, and so that's uh, something that we really want to encourage folks to think about is the clients that we work with uh, in particular and mm-hmm. how we move towards a just transition. Um, because firms are playing a huge role when it comes to the climate crisis. And, and that means we can play a huge role in those solutions as well. One of the things that really, it's a curiosity question coming out of some of your answers is how, how is your organization received by the legal community? Because it sounds <laughs> like there's a lot of butting heads there, not in a mean or mean spirited way, but it's like you're trying to encourage or get them to almost change behaviorals. Right. Um, and it's, so what is that relationship like when you approach the conversation? Is it stressful or is there tension there? There definitely can be. I think it depends on the firm and on the lawyer. You know, we've had incredibly positive reception from, from many, many people and particularly, you know, from folks who have been doing this work from a long time, yeah. for a long time and have been supporting us. Um, but when it comes to, you know, the Vault 100 firms, the firms that we, we rank, um, it actually still runs the gamut. We've had really, really supportive conversations with partners or firms that don't necessarily rank especially well. Um, And something that's been interesting to me is, you know, hearing partners say things like, you know, we absolutely support your work. This is critical. We've got to change the way we think in the legal profession. We just disagree about, you know, our ability to move our fossil fuel clients in the direction of a just transition. So, you know, they appreciate that we're shining a light on, you know, how this is contributing to the climate crisis and they just sort of see that uh element differently um but we've also of course had folks that just disagree and it's our perspective that there's a difference between the structural choices that a firm makes and the individual choices that you know a summer associate makes or uh, a lawyer makes Mm. as a partner at a firm um and so you know we are always happy to engage in conversations with anybody at any firm um and you know whether they're excited to have that conversation (laughs) or not we're excited to have the conversation because we can't figure out what pressures are driving them unless we have those conversations and so and yeah yeah you know some firms are just ignorant to it and i don't mean that in a mean-spirited way they're just not focused on that they're doing their day-to-day work and they're representing their clients so sometimes you could be received and you could come in and open their eyes and be very helpful to them and and they could be on but jump on board and then other times there are those that are clinging to uh, whatever their beliefs are, and I'm sure that becomes a little more tense, but that sounds like they can be fun conversations. <laughs> they definitely can be. And I think, you know, it really runs, it's different depending upon what role someone occupies, right? Sure. So if someone in a firm is in an ESG role, oftentimes they're really excited because, sure. you know, they can say, hey, I can take this back to folks <laughs> at my firm and, you know, get some leverage to be able to do my work more effectively. Yes. Um, but the partners who are, you know, engaged in the climate litigation that we might have highlighted Not in, so much. in our scorecard, <laughs> yeah, they tend to be less excited about it. And I think, you know, there's incentives for us to think about our work as, as, like I said earlier, morally neutral. Mm. Uh, And so we're trying really hard to sort of thread the needle between, uh, you know, working with folks and being honest with folks um, and also being respectful of the fact that, you know, people have uh, different perspectives. And and so, you know, we want to win hearts and minds and we want to, we want to change people's minds. Um, But, you know, we also don't want to shame people. Yeah, absolutely. So actionable steps. If there's a a law firm or an attorney listening to this who's in a key position that can use some of this data, when you think about actionable steps right now, um, 
that your organization would encourage law firms in the legal industry as a whole to take? What are some of those things that, that they can do? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is if you're someone who has the ability to make decisions about what clients you're taking in, mm. you should be thinking about climate climate as one element uh, of whether you decide to take on a client. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the easy one. If you, if you have that power, then bringing a, a lens of climate justice into your decision making is an incredibly powerful thing that you can do right away. Um, but if you are someone who maybe has other pressures or isn't free to make those decisions alone, you still have a lot of power to do internal education, right? To work with your peers um, and talk to them about how you can factor climate into your decision-making around your clientele. Um, and I focus on clients because there are tons of excellent like in-office sustainability programs, many, many firms working on reducing you know, the electricity that they use, reducing the paper they use, uh, and et cetera. Um, but we really think that the biggest impact we can make is moving away from the representation of fossil fuel corporations because there's no amount of paper that we can save that's going to undo the damage of extraction. Mm. Um, and so that's why we sort of focus in that in that arena. Um, the other thing that I would say is that any lawyer at any level in their career can provide mentorship to folks that want to help push firms in the right direction. Mm. Um, and so, you know, connecting with younger lawyers who, you know, maybe they're coming into an energy practice really excited to do renewables work and realizing, oh, goodness, there's a ton of fossil fuels work that this practice is also doing. Mm. Connecting with those young attorneys and helping them figure out how to navigate that and also just putting them in community with folks who, you know, feel similarly uh, can ultimately help change the culture. And I think that's something that we want to stress a lot is that this is about a culture shift um, because we have a profession that really encourages us to think individualistically, to be hyper-competitive, and we cannot, you know, build a sustainable world alone. Um, we have to do that together, collectively, mm. um, just the same way as there were so many people involved in getting us to where we are. Yep. Um, if we want to build something different, we've, we've got to do it together. Um, and so I think starting to build that culture inside of firms is really important. Wow. Haley Zarnak has been our guest on the Charleston School of Law podcast. She's the National Director for Law Students for Climate Accountability. We are so excited, Haley, to have you here in Charleston and join the panel of guests for the Law and Society Symposium next month right here in Charleston as we take a little deeper dive into climate change and its impact on the legal field. Haley, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your day, and we look forward to seeing you next month right here in Charleston. Thanks so much. I can't wait. The Charleston School of Law podcast is available on charlestonlaw.edu or subscribe using your favorite podcast player, including Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Charleston School of Law podcast.